and welcome to a special edition of Grounded, a podcast series about the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the aviation industry in Australia. I'm Angela Stevenson of rightspeakfly.com. This one is for all the ATPL pilots and RPT crew and associated industry workers out there who have been affected by the grounding of regular airline passenger transport services. We see you, we hear you and we care. We are all part of this great big aviation family. Sally Tyndall is my guest today. She's a first officer with Virgin with over 8,000 flight hours in her logbook, 3,300 of those in the cockpit of an A330. She calls Melbourne home, she's got a mortgage, a partner, and she's the mum of an active five-year-old. And I've previously had the privilege of speaking to Sally about her involvement in the Advancing X Astronaut Program. Yes, Astronaut Program. But wait, there's more. Sally has been studying and training in human factors, non-technical skills, for the best part of 16 years. I'm talking today with Sally about what this crisis is like for her, her hopes for her crew, where she sees opportunities, and how airline crew and staff can reimagine themselves and utilise their existing, often highly specialised skills and training to get through this crisis. Many Virgin pilots have been stood down for the time being, and whilst it may have changed for a few, having had some services reinstated, on the whole it hasn't changed with the company entering into voluntary administration. It certainly makes for a difficult period for many people. Around 16,000 staff and contract in total are facing the realisation that the future might look very different. So what does Sally think of this predicament that she finds herself in, along with most of her colleagues? Hello Sally and welcome over the phone to the studio. Well hello Angela, it's lovely to speak to you again. And it's lovely to speak to you again too. Time to get this show on the road. Let's start with what led up to you being where you are now. You're one of 1600 Virgin Pilots. How did you feel or how do you feel about being, in inverted commas, stood down? Has the company kept you well informed and do you think the airlines were too quick to stand down their staff or did they get it as right as they could? I am biased because I'm affected, so I would have loved to have thought no, no, you're going to keep me employed longer. But, of course, I don't have the data in front of me. Um, It's sort of like when when someone shows you a photograph and says, what do you think about this situation? You don't know what is happening in the lead-up to the photograph. You don't know what's happening after it. I don't know what's in our bank balance and I don't know how long we can operate for not bringing in any money because, of course, if planes aren't flying, we're not delivering the product that we're selling. So if we were stood down in the time that we were stood down in, that obviously was necessary and it was necessary for a darn good reason. I'm finding personally that the communication I am getting from my company is the only communication I'm listening to. I'm not listening to the news because it differs every day. I turn on the news and I have no idea what procedures are going to have changed today. Whereas my company has started up a workspace app that is just for us. We get spoken to by our CEO every single day as to what's going on. And if that meant that I was stood down when I was stood down, then that had to happen. I didn't like it, but it had to happen. 
And Sally, you've been stood down since February. What does this look like for you? What's the hardest part or what are you or others struggling with? So I guess for me, um, I'm a serial optimist and I learned a very, very valuable lesson about five and a half years ago when my son was born that my job is just what I do. It's not who I am. Because when you're a new mum in tracksuit pants with baby vomit on you and you're at Centrelink to submit the form that says, congratulations, I have had a child, here's the piece of paper and here's the child, you get looked at very, very differently than when you're strutting through the terminal with your extremely large hat. So the psychological experience of taking six months from flying being a mum, just being a regular Joe, was enlightening. So I think that's why I'm able to empathise with not just pilots, because the cabin crew are going through this, my ground crew are going through this, the engineers are going through this. We are so proud to wear our title as this metaphorical badge of honour that I think that's the biggest thing that people are struggling with at the moment is... And there's some memes on Facebook at the moment which are hilarious. It's, it's been 32 days since I've walked into a room and told a complete stranger I'm a pilot. And whilst it's funny, it actually has an underlying tone that I'm looking out for is just to make sure that my colleagues are all coping okay. Um, for me personally, I always thought that aviation and flying aeroplanes just wasn't quite enough for me and of course you and I met talking about those other skill sets so I thought for me it was going to be quite easy I thought I was going to pick up the phone flash my qualifications and go and apply my skill set somewhere else but it appears just from my personal experience that to be tarred with the title of pilot has prevented myself and my colleagues from being able to access temporary work or alternate work, which is a dreadful shame when even though the general public thinks pilot just lands plane, the skill set that we have in aviation is so diverse and so interchangeable amongst other industries that I'm saddened that other companies can't see the opportunity that they're missing out on when there are so many people particularly the Tiger and New Zealand people who have been made redundant, so they do need full-time work, they're not being afforded those opportunities. What are some of the skills that you see as translatable? Well, certainly it's very technological and very technical and interacting with machines, Um, so anything in IT and computing. But, of course, we deal with hundreds of people every single day, and so anything that's from human resources, to public relations, to customer service, in high stress situations, so emergency call taking, anything that's involving decision making. So we have a number of flight crew that are volunteer firefighters. It's such a diverse skill set because people don't get to see what we do anymore. You know, we we had to, uh, in the wake of 2000, put a bulletproof door on the flight deck and people can't come up and see what we do anymore, whether it's deciding about fuel, decision-making, weather, diversions, and all of that 
are skills that are interchangeable in rail, marine, business, telecommunications. And I think people just need to be a little bit more lateral in their thinking and go, oh, yeah, it's not just that scene that I've seen from Flying High. We could use a pilot for counselling or career guidance or coming into a school to do some science explanations or anything. I mean, the sky's the limit, really, and that's not a pun. It's just that people are judging us by a mental image, not by what we can actually do. With this forced stand down, what it, what is it going to look like when you transition back in? What if what if it's three years before pilots like yourself get back in the cockpit? Yeah, I mean, I certainly don't think it's going to be three years until I fly an aeroplane. I got emailed a, a job offer last night. Uh, it is overseas, but there are countries flying, and they're flying freight full of medical products but they're short of pilots um, because there are people not flying for whatever reason, whether they're stood down or they're concerned. Or, But for me, it's not going to be three years. And if it is, um, that would come as a surprise. But I only took six months off uh, when I had my child and that was interesting enough, um, getting back in the groove from that. But it's not out of the question it's not something that pilots have never done before we've had stand downs we've had collapses we've had airlines change over and people go and be police officers and paramedics and nurses and they are doing that now and they will come back not when the first plane starts its engines but when the situation suits their personal circumstances And I think it's going to be more prevalent for my cabin crew colleagues because they did the job because they loved the job. They loved the travel. They loved the lifestyle. Most of them have already found temp work that pays more than what they were already making. So I think industry is going to struggle to get these staff members back. Hmm. So you're you're saying that one way to look at it is that it's a good time for other businesses to capitalise on the skills that pilots and flight crew have amassed over their careers. It's a good time, if you can think laterally, for businesses to snaffle up really valuable, experienced personnel. And moving forward, they might not want to come back. And for those pilots that were heading towards retirement, what do you think they will do? Well, I'm hoping that most of them that I would work with um, are very, very savvy creatures and did not have their superannuation in high risk. So I am hoping that they will just take some time off and if they want to come back to flying I know a number of them want to come back part-time or reduced hours just to give other colleagues the opportunity to get some work too Um, we will lose a lot of experienced aviators who will just go you know what I'm hitting eject we'll sell the investment property we will downsize and I'm done and that would be a tremendous waste because If we remember, only six months ago, we were talking about the pilot shortage. And we're certainly going to end up in a situation moving forward when the industry recovers, and it will certainly recover first with freight, and then it will recover 
in each individual country with domestic tourism and then global tourism, we're going to be back in that pilot shortage situation. And there are going to be some very, very desperate organisations offering lucrative contracts to get highly skilled individuals to move to go and meet those needs because what they will not do is lower their minimum experience requirements to fill those positions because that would then affect safety. And what about pilots like yourself that are basically in the guts of their career? Do you think that there'll be some out there who would be happy to go back into general aviation? I don't think so. I think we have, and this is my own personal opinion because I had the opportunity to go and put a resume in at my old flight school. I personally chose not to because I knew that if I did that, I'm taking an opportunity away from someone else. The financial reimbursement that's available in general aviation would still have me lose the house anyway. So it, to me, would seem like I'm cutting off my nose to spite my face and preventing someone else from getting their dream job. So I'm hoping to stay out of aviation and ride it out, whether it's doing fruit picking or driving a truck, I don't care, homeschooling my kid. But when I come back to aviation, it's not going to be as an act of desperation. It's going to be a role that I chose that suits my family's situation that I interviewed for. Otherwise, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing that company a disservice. And I don't know any pilot that would jump at a position that they weren't going to love. No pilot would take something that they didn't want. It's just the way that we think and it would be disrespectful to the amount of work we've already put into our careers to go back to general aviation and take someone else's job. If we want to be current and if we want to keep our skills sharp, we all know someone who owns a plane or a flight school that has a plane and I would be perfectly happy to pull what limited money I have left in my bank account out to go down to my local flying school and pay for a biennial flight review to get current if it meant that I'm keeping another instructor employed, I'm enjoying keeping my skills current, but personally for me, I'm not going to take a step backwards because I actually think that would stall the industry. Mm. So you think you'd be happier just to take a hiatus for the time being and then come back later on in a similar role? Yeah, that's where I am at the moment. I'm, I'm still on stand down. I am certainly hoping the company comes back with a solution or a freight option or a charter option for me to do. I am on day 32 of not landing a plane and on day 45 I am not current so that would mean I'd have to go in the simulator to get current to then go flying. So for a lot of us we're starting to get a little bit anxious that our currency is running out but yes I am more than happy to go and do something completely different knowing full well that this will be over, this will recover. I love my plane, I love the industry. The industry is not broken it's just been put on pause and it will recover very quickly and we certainly saw that with SARS and when we recovered from SARS we couldn't keep up so I think it's just a matter of putting things into perspective we are being asked to stay at home play with our kids and eat takeout this shouldn't be a struggle so when I eventually get 
called to go back to work, apart from the fact I'll go, thank God, I get a overnight in a hotel room so I can sleep in a bed or by myself, um, it means that I'll be rested and ready and enthusiastic about whatever work is presented to me. Just for a moment, let's broaden the conversation to airline operations. Are there opportunities that you think the airline industry needs to uh, think more about or consider? What about freight? Do you think there may be some opportunities in, say, freight, for example? Well, I think psychologically people are home and they're bored and they're online shopping. But what people fail to realise is most of this stuff is not here at the moment. Um, I definitely know because I was looking for a new one. Um, we have a nationwide shortage of iPhones and iPads and Apple devices. So they don't get made in Australia. I know that we're all having to be waving the pom-poms for Australian-owned and Australian-made, but a lot of the stuff that we rely upon to be modern Western society is technology that's made overseas and that's going to have to be brought back into the country somehow Um and so I think definitely the people at home that have decided, actually, this working from home thing's not too bad. I might continue on with that. But they're still ordering online and they still want their things and they want them yesterday. And that all comes from freight. And I think freight's going to go gangbusters because people want what they ordered a week ago. And that's going to be a great way to get the airlines back up and running with minimal interdispersions of human beings. So I don't see that the the increased rate of uh, virus spreading will increase too much because there's normally only three or four people on a freighter and that's it. Um, but I think that's going to be a great way to get people confident again about aviation is seeing how quickly we can turn a passenger plane into a freight plane and get the country back moving again. Do you see domestic travel really booming? What about regional airlines? Is there opportunities for pilots and crew there? Subject to them being able to operate, but certainly regional airlines have to exist and it has to be first and foremost for getting people who need medical care the ability to travel to main capital cities. But also, yeah, people... In the way, at the end of the pandemic, people are not going to want to sit for 16 hours in a car with someone that they've just been trapped for two months in a house with. So I think you will see a lot of mass exodus, a lot of road trips, a lot of regional flights. And if the flights are there, I think people are going to take them regardless of the cost. I think people are just going to want to get out of town and just vent and go and camp and do all the things that we've been all of a sudden told we can't do will be the things that we just want to do. And is there any other way that RPT Airlines or, or things that RPT Airlines can do to reimagine themselves or perhaps think outside the box moving forward uh, that might encourage people to travel? Yeah, possibly. I think that Certainly airlines who think outside the box and think about what do passengers want and certainly moving forward, I think that we will have a lot of people who will be germaphobes moving forward and I think we'll have a lot of people who don't care what it costs. They just want to sit in a pod where they don't see, speak or hear 
from another passenger. And so I actually think we might see a phenomenal resurgence in business class product. Um, because when the dust settles and everyone has enough time to process what we've just been through, it is psychologically quite likely that there will be an overreaction to people. Um, certainly from when we've been isolated, I'm talking to my husband about what's it going to be like for the kids to go back to school. I'm anticipating having been isolated for such a, a long period of time for children that their immune systems have only become accustomed to our home. And so I'm expecting all of term three to be everyone's sick because they haven't been interacting. So I think that from a global level, airlines will have to deal with the fact that people may be more intolerant and stroppy and short with one another. Um, certainly people who are used to having freedoms and rights um, won't like being approached in airports and having temperatures taken. But certain countries who like to preach that they have freedoms or rights may just have to come to the realisation that tourists won't travel to their country unless they review their freedoms and rights. And just taking you back a bit in relation to social distancing on planes, you mentioned pods providing some ability to do that. It, it sounds very Bert Rutan. Uh, can you tell me a bit more about that? Do you think people will be willing to pay more to be a bit safer if that's how they see it? I don't think it's, it's out of line for me to say that Air New Zealand were absolutely smashing the market with their Sky Couch product the ability to just have three seats between two that stretch out and so you can have the kids lying down and they are about they are in the process of patenting sky pods so you know you're in flight and you can book two to three hours in a pod lying down is genius and i think that that's going to have to be something that airlines consider moving forward is and they were, they were already doing it before the pandemic is people didn't want to be crammed in anymore people were more than happy to pay additional money to have the leg room to have a pass to the lounge where they could go and have a shower between layovers it was just small things um and i think that that where we were trending with this business class product that we had was just as we were told by many customers that would provide us feedback it was just so far above and beyond their expectations that I think we just keep doing what we were doing because I think we were doing great, but then I am biased. So pods were something that Air New Zealand were heading towards anyway? Um, it was something that they were definitely trying to launch and that, but they were, and they were in production. I definitely know at the Boeing factory that pods were in production. They were just trying to have them patented so the other airlines could then copy them and nick them. Mm. Um, but mm. definitely moving forward, there will be some people that just want to get back on with hugging and greeting people, and that's me. I am missing my hugs with my crew when I sign on to work, but then there will be others that just don't touch me, leave me alone, don't talk to me. I just want to get to where I want to go, and that's fine. Um, and products will develop to meet those market needs. And Sally, what would you personally like to see the world looking like in the future? Have your expectations of life or your career changed? Are you changing how you see the future? And do you think everyone needs to take stock and think about their expectations? Uh, in the future, I would like the world to be a little bit more empathetic of one another. I would like everyone to realise that whilst we are very proud of our nationality, that we do need 
other people. Um, as you very well know, I am a citizen of the planet, not just a citizen of my country. Um, I want to be flying aeroplanes. I would love to be flying rockets. And I don't actually think that any of that's going to change. I haven't changed any of my long-term career plans because of this. This is just an interesting psychological experiment that's just had to happen along the way and I'm enjoying sitting back with my popcorn and watching it. But I still think that kids can grow up and be whatever they want to be and if they want to be pilots, they're going to be. I just think that we have to apply a little bit more common sense to when we travel, where we travel. I certainly know a number of crew um, that thought it was their God-given right to just be able to go and visit North Korea because the planet is a oblate spheroid and they should be just allowed to go and see any part of the planet that they want to. I don't think that that's probably sensible moving forward because countries will become, may become a little bit possessive of the things that they have. Certainly we're demonstrating that already with all the by Australian, let's not eat Chinese food this week, lunacy that came out of this knee-jerk reaction. But ultimately, I think we will just get back to being a wonderful global interactive society and possibly moving forward, all I'll be trying to do is just pay my house off a little bit faster. It might be a while before you do get back on the horse, so to speak. What's going to help you and your crew through this? I certainly leave my phone on 24-7 for my crew during this time because I have had experience stepping away from the metaphorical hat and being a mum and it did take me quite a while to adjust and recover and come back and there is a lot of research in industry in morale and death rates and mental health in industries that involve a strict regimented uniform and a very heavy identity and when people walk away from that they don't know how to be not that person so it's really important for me to see the positive of this psychological experiment that we're all taking part in if my crew can use this time to find out who they are, to find out what other skill sets that they're amazingly incredible at and to like themselves regardless of the hat or the name badge they wear, then that's really important to me and that's what helps me get through this time because you should always be more than what you do. Mm. It shouldn't define who you are as a person. Mm. And I think that's one of the reasons why some flight crew are having troubles finding work is because of the public perception of what a pilot is and if we come back to just everyone showing some empathy and being kind some of these professionals have been doing this work for greater than 30 years it's going to be quite an adjustment to not be that title to just wake up the next day and all of a sudden you're not that title and we all need to work together to try and recognise that you have far more skill sets than your name badge, but 
it's going to take each individual their own amount of time to process that and then to heal from that. And finally, in terms of moving on, how can pilots draw on their own resources and their human factor training to help them move forward? Well, all crew, um, including ground crew and cabin crew, do human factors training. Uh, It's now developed to something called NTS, non-technical skills. But every year, and it's CASA mandated, they do training in stress, stress management, decision-making, our company just this year had a module in the course on mental health, asking for help, peer support. And I'm hoping that with the fact that we've joined chat groups, we're staying in touch, we're checking on each other, we're producing the funny memes, that, that they remember that and they remember that it's not just happening to them, it's happening to everyone But the most important thing to realise is when we're all dealing with the same situation is you and I are both in this pandemic, but it's perfectly acceptable for us to react to it differently. And so that's where we need to be kind and be empathetic and take a step back. And if someone wants to be angry and yell for us to understand that it's, it's not personal, they're not angry at me, that that's how they're processing Others may choose to withdraw. And so you go, well, why are they not talking to me? As long as we realise that it's perfectly okay to react differently to the same situation, I think we will all get through this fabulously. Hmm. Perhaps they can draw on their human factor experiences or their human factor knowledge in order to uh, put themselves forward for different positions. Well, as their instructor, I would like to hope that they remember some of their human factors (laughs) training. But yes, it's important for them to back themselves, to to reflect and to actually say, I am more than landing an aeroplane or for my crew, I am more than cups of coffee. I posted a video on Facebook, which you may have seen a couple of days ago, which was video footage of the Sukhoi crash in Russia. And I posted and said, can you see how pretty my cabin crew are? Can you see how well they pour a coffee? No, because their job is to actually get me off the plane in 90 seconds. And so I think it's really important in this time when everyone's going, oh, gosh, I've, I've been a flight attendant for 20 years. What can I do? You haven't. You've been a medic. You've been in hospitality. You've been a customer service liaison. The pilots have been leaders, decision makers, managers. There's so many roles, but they just need to take a breath and then back themselves. And that's what we don't have the ability to do right now because a lot of us got thrown straight into homeschooling or (laughs) doing other things that I actually don't think a lot of people, not just in aviation worldwide, have had a chance to stop and take a breath and just process this at the moment. Thank you so much, Sally, for taking the time to share your experiences with the aviation community as a whole. I'm sure we can all find some lessons and takeaways in what you've brought to the table today. So if you're in the same or similar situation and would like to connect with someone like-minded, feel free to reach out to Sally. Her email address is sallyg at westnet.com.au or your own aviation community. It will certainly be easier for everyone if we work like a flight crew right now and ride the storm together. I'm Angela Stevenson. I hope you've enjoyed this special edition Grounded podcast for rightspeakfly.com. If you're interested in what's happening in general aviation, 
feel free to head over to the website and find the Grounded series. And also, if you're interested in being a part of the podcast series, please contact me, Angela, at rightspeakfly.com if you've got something to add, if you've got some experiences that you can share with people or ideas on how to move forward in your particular area of the industry, please get in touch. And finally, everyone, never forget how lucky we are to be in this amazing industry. And this is most definitely not the end of it. Spread those wings and spread the love of aviation.